0: The Square Ball Podcast.
1: Hello there. Welcome to episode 155 of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan. I have with me Michael Normanton. Hello. And Daniel Chapman, Moscow Whites. Hello. Podcast now supported by Levi Solicitors for 10% off your legal fees. Mention the square ball when you contact them. You can find all that at levisolicitors.co.uk. Thank you as well to you. If you bought issue three of the magazine, it completely sold out against QPR. So issue four is coming soon in time for Christmas. And a reminder that any remaining Marcelo Bielsa stickers will be given out with that as well. Full details on the mags, the mugs and the new great and pink Leeds Carajo clothing line. is at the (laughs) squareball.net. couple of days down the tracks now then from Leeds against QPR boys and uh, the routine 2-0 win that we were all crying out
2: for finally came to fruition. The 2-0 part of it was possibly my favourite part. A third goal would have been nice, but it was almost as nice to not be worrying. Those like five, ten minutes at the end when he was just, we've won. It's all right. You don't want to get greedy as well, do
3: you? Given, Given we don't really do conceding goals this year, two goals is enough. That's fine. If we score
2: two in every game, we will go up and feel confident of that. Yep, and uh, win at home draw away that's fine as well that's what we've done over the last couple of weeks so all feels very promo-y though I checked the table last night turns out we're not top anymore I mean disaster yes why Preston and West Brom are allowed to be above us Preston in particular West Brom I can sort of understand although they did just get an absolute gimme against uh, playing managerless well actually no Stoke have got three managers now haven't they Rory DeLapp is leading a team of uh, two other people. I've, I don't. Rory Dalap's there, is he still? He's basically in charge. He's now the manager. Was he the throwing coach <laughs> previously? That's all they're going to get right for the rest of the season. Did you see the um, the penalty? Yes, oh, wonderful stuff. That one of the best tackles I've seen. <laughs> um, and he
3: has the the balls to get up and do the. I got the ball round, making the ball gesture with the hands. He he
2: does that after he's
3: taken the guy off at the knee, and the ball has gone absolutely nowhere.
2: Right, just inside the penalty area. No question. It's basically it's almost on the penalty spot that he just absolutely goes through this guy's thighs. To so ask yourself, would we have got that? No, probably not. Bamford booked for diving <laughs> as he wanders around like that Everton player with his ankle hanging off. No, Bamford cheat.
1: It is a weird division in that, you know, kind of Preston have come from
3: mid-table nowhere to be in the top. We did it last year, in fairness. It was, that was our trick that we got, caught everyone by surprise last year by being terrible the year before. Unfortunately, both Sheffield
2: United and Norwich did it slightly better than us. The other thing is mm-hmm. that teams like Stoke and Middlesbrough, who technically, and Huddersfield as well, who really have technically Premier League squads, that's where they're supposed to be challenging at the top to get back up there, are all in the bottom uh, six. So there's kind of this. There's almost a hope that if they start to get good and beat teams like West Brom and Preston and Swansea and not us, that's the crucial thing. Um, the so whole thing is, kind of compress.
1: What you're saying is, if the teams around us lose
3: and we don't, yeah, and we win, yeah, then we're we're shooing.
1: I think we could
2: almost certainly get promoted that way. Do
3: you want me to do some more explaining about how to score a goal? We got, it and things.
1: We got a really good response to your uh, how to score a goal guide in the match ball on Saturday against I've been, GPR. I've
3: yeah. been down Thorpe Arch over the weekend just, just running through it again. Diagrams and stuff. Pat Bamford couldn't make it, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll see. That chance still
2: upsets me.
1: No, you see, I want to counter that because we said on the match ball you were adamant he should have hit it first time and I've Mm -hmm. re-watched that a few times Mm -hmm. and as an experienced and quality striker myself (laughs) I just want to say I don't think that fell correctly into his stride I think it fell too close to his feet and he needed to take a touch
2: no he didn't he needed well the touch he needed to take was he he took a touch with his left foot but he tried to put it onto his right the touch was it Around the other side of the goalkeeper into no, the net. No, no, you're the, wrong. The net.
1: You're wrong because of how he shaped his body. He, he had to shift it across to his right. Well, he shaped he, his
2: body wrong then,
1: didn't he? Because he knew this- he, had, he knew he had a defender either side of him. He's got the keeper in front of him, a defender on his right shoulder who, admittedly, tackled
2: him in the end. And then he had to cut, cut in the gap between the two, didn't he? And the ball was too no. close to his feet. It wasn't in his stride. The decision he made was to take the ball towards the guy who tackled him. When, he should have been absolutely nowhere near him, except Bamford's like, oh no, there's a defender coming from my right. I know what I'll do. I'll go nearer to him so he can tackle me. Did you see
1: what he said in the aftermath of that when he was on his knees pleading with the,
2: the heavens? He's, he said, what a tackle. See him say that? Yes, but he's wrong. It was, it was a very good tackle. It was a very good tackle, but he should never have had the chance to make it. The ball by the time that guy got there, the ball should have been rolling into the net with nobody in it.
3: But this chance did prove useful for was showing the limitations of xg though because we found out from analytic underscore footy on twitter that that doesn't count as an xg registered chance because he
2: didn't get a shot away it depends on what model you're using there are other versions of xg that you can pay thousands of pounds for that that work out uh, an expected goals value from every situation on the pitch so if you have the full access to the the hottest data streams available there is a mathematical model that will basically, if Kiko Casilla has the ball at his feet, there is a calculation of how likely you are to score from that situation. So, but the the stuff that's available, yeah. So when I was tapping around on InfoGoal trying to find it, it wasn't there because there wasn't a shot away. Well, we exceeded XG in this game, so that's good. Yeah,
1: as rightly pointed out by uh, Graeme Smith, who uh, highlighted it. Expected goals, by the way, for the benefit of anybody who isn't familiar with it. It's how it basically measures the quality of a chance, doesn't yes.
2: it? Yes, should that have gone in or not? And generally, with Patrick Bamford, the answer is yes.
1: But anyway, our XG for the weekend against QPR was slightly under two, and we scored two, so we are doing better than we should be.
2: At last. At last. Well, because Tyler Roberts is in the team to actually put the ball in the net.
3: And Bamford, um, there was footage came of, out of Bamford's Header as well from the side. I don't know. It was very tight. You can't, mm. there's no There's no definitive angle on it from what I've seen, but it was very close to being onside.
2: I think there might be an element of uh, the boy who cries wolf in that because Bamford is quite bad at staying onside. Just in general, it's just a thing he seems to, there was one moment um, apart from that when he was waiting for a through ball and he timed his run completely wrong and just wandered off and I think it was Tyler Roberts who was trying to play him through and had to hold and check and he's, he's not great at reading that so he'd been called a few times by the officials for being offside so I think the linesman may have gone law of averages. well it's him And at least we didn't have to have VAR drawing lines on it. I'd no, rather it's exactly. just given us offside. Yeah. Although what? we maybe wouldn't be saying that if it had been nil nil at the time
1: Michael why do you think Moscow hates Patrick Bamford? <laughs>
2: It's hard to
3: say. Um, I think it's his hair. I think he don't, don't think he likes that. Don't think he likes his boyish good looks. A lot of jealousy there.
2: I don't hate Patrick Bamford. I just wish. I just wish he'd made, matches. Clicks beautiful through ball the way it just swerved in front of him onto his left foot where he wants it. We've spent weeks watching him putting the ball like the ball on his right and him trying to get it over to his left, and that's what I don't understand. It was there. You don't happens.
1: understand because you're not a quality striker. Well, you
2: don't have that experience
1: like me and Michael do. A quality striker would have put it in the net. That's the thing. He said we paid seven million pounds for him, and the defender and got a tackle and it. Happens. grand a week.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it was it was interesting to see Click putting that pass through because he, he seems to find it easier to do that when he's playing deeper than when he's been playing in Tyler Roberts' position. So it was good to see that.
1: Speaking of click, option. speaking of click. Sorry, he was. He should have put that chance away. It was a difficult one that rising volley, but it was uh, it was a really good opportunity.
3: Pat Bamford had missed it. Moscow would Still be talking about it now. Yeah,
2: well he is relentless. He should have scored. I agree, but it was it was more difficult than uh, than the other ones. But it would have been nice to get a goal in the first fifteen minutes. I suppose it's baby steps. We scored in the first half. That's good. We haven't done that for ages. And then uh, the next step is to try and score inside the first half hour and then the first 15 minutes and then we get back to where we were against West Brom last season where we could score in the first 16 seconds.
3: I think with that, the chance. if you were a quality striker, uh, as Dan said, like me, it, you've probably got a better chance of that going in because it's likely to just slap off my thigh and then it mm. might actually still go in because he was very close in and the keeper was either side of him It would have just gone in. But he absolutely twatted it.
1: I mean, it's probably a good sign that the most upsetting thing from the weekend was QPR's kit, which actually, I mean, we tweeted out about it the problem with colourblind people, not with them, for them. <laughs> colourblind people are fine. Fucking moaning about it. <laughs> Don't hate you, it's fine. How many people suffered with being able to distinguish the two teams apart. It was a right pain in the ass.
2: How many people are colourblind, statistically? Uh, I have no it's, idea. It's
1: one in 12, isn't it? Yeah, M- the, men,
2: like. the, um, yeah it's, more, it's higher in, in men. So one of the articles about this has worked out that, that there would be something like 1,200 people in Elland Road, on average, who would have been struggling with that, which is... A lot of people to to pay £30 for a ticket and not know what's going on.
3: And also the people watching on the, the dubious illegal streams. Think of them, they're blurry at the best of times. Trying to trying to distinguish colours on the, when you're watching a washed out laptop filmed on someone's phone in a living room, <laughs> streamed via France. Is that white or is that very, very pale, <laughs> washed out green? It was hard to tell even in the stadium as someone who isn't colourblind.
1: Did you notice a few people, like players passing to the wrong team, not being crap, but
2: in terms of... I mean, it's hard to tell with some of them. Helder, Bam, Helder Bamford, I was Bamford? Yeah. to go I was going to pick on Costa for that one because I, I don't want to get the, the, the hate Bamford reputation any more than I do already.
1: Michael, why do you think Moscow hates uh, Helder Costa?
2: <laughs> I don't hate any of our players. We'll find this. But in the Only because Belly Peacock Farrell's not there anymore. Well, you did hate true. him. In the extra poll we're trying to put together our, our least favourite, like the worst midfielders of all time and I've really struggled with it because I like wingers and midfielders in general, like they're all all right. Looking at it going, Jordan Bataka, brilliant player. Everybody else hated him. So I'm all in favour of all Leeds United's players. I would almost consider myself a fan of them. <laughs> so has this weekend settled your nerves a little bit? Yeah, it's just nice to have an easy win.
3: Not easy, but a regulation win. Just nothing complicated about it. There's nothing we need. We don't need to get too upset about anything because we did score. That's the thing when we have games where we just miss chance after chance and you don't get a result, then you obviously upset by it. But when you when you do put some away, you kind of just forget about the ones that you did miss.
1: So are we saying winning makes us happy? Yeah, we just L- need to... Losing,
3: be, not so much. We can still miss loads of chances, is what I'm saying, as long as we score some. That's fine.
1: And you look at the run of games that we've got going, uh, coming up, and again, we've, we've mentioned it across the last couple of podcasts, but November looks very winnable from start to finish when you consider Blackburn next, looting away after the international break. Reading away and then oh, Middles- Tough
3: atmosphere. At Reading away though. Oh, it's like a bear pit that place. <laughs> Don't get me started
2: on Bamford's performance last time we were there.
1: <laughs> and then Middlesbrough at home as well. Mind you, they, they might have sacked Jonathan Woodgate by then. You never know. But replaced
2: uh, him with Cule.
1: It looks like Harry Kewell is joining the uh, the coaching staff there. So you'd have Kewel and Robbie Keane and Jonathan Woodgate all there. That'd be weird, won't it, when they come to Ellen Road? I think Kewell will get a great reception. <laughs> is it? Will it be the first time he's been back? he cried off injured didn't he when he was due to return with Liverpool I believe
3: yeah, it'll be interesting to hear where we'll sort of see Woodgate come out he'll get I imagine a reasonable round of applause and stuff. Robbie Keane probably the same mm. and then Kew
2: I wonder if he'll just hide behind those two a in few. the hope that he he doesn't get spotted. He'll, he'll
1: skulk out as late as possible, won't he? He'll hide yeah.
2: There's been a few suggestions that his uh, his contract might not begin until December, or perhaps they'll be they'll need him with the under 23s that day or something. Just you know, something will happen to keep him uh, keep him out of Elland Road. I think, which is probably for the best for all concerned.
1: Michael, why do you think Moscow hates Harry Kew <laughs> with very good and well established reasons? Absolutely. Congratulations, Moscow. Thank you. <laughs> We mentioned them at the top of the podcast, but thanks once again to Levi Solicitors who are supporting this podcast and like the Square Ball, they are leads through and through, have been for 85 years. Branches right across the country now. So if you need a solicitor for anything, with the exception of criminal and family law, then just give them a quick call. You can find the contact details at LeviSolicitors.co.uk. Best bit is they'll give you 10% off your legal fees if you mention us the Square Ball when you speak to them. Well, we knew that we couldn't just accept a routine 2 0 win against QPR without something popping up. And uh, the thing that's sitting in the headlines now is Kiko. Sensible approach on this one is probably just to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, we don't know what he said. And until we know what he said, we can't really take a position on it or what he's alleged to have said. And until we know whether it's been proven or not. And one of the advantages with these situations in the past is that you do get a full report, there will be at some point. A full report outlining what he's alleged to have said and what he is then believed to have said, what his defense is, what the accusations are. So it'll all be written down at, at some point. So it's almost at the moment, there's a lot of people really struggling to take a position on a completely hypothetical situation. It's like, well, if he said X, then that means well then that one. but if he said Y, then all that's terrible. It's like, well, what if he said purple? Like there's there's no there's no evidence either way for anything that he may have said. Nobody has a, a clue. So it's all just complete uh, blather until then.
1: Interesting choice of words that the club acknowledged this charge uh, and it appears to be uh, aggravated racist abuse against Kiko. But, it, I mean, delving into the rules, it seems to be um, offensive language, doesn't it? I don't know whether the, the two fall together. And again, I'm, I don't know enough about it to, to offer any sort of informed commentary, so I probably should just shut <laughs>
3: I mean, the Daily Mail, didn't. They, they don't mind weighing in on stuff they know nothing about. And they say he's going to get an 8 to 10, 12 game ban, which would be long when you look at how that basically is Christmas.
1: Mm. Well, it's, it is six games, isn't it, for, for racist abuse. And if it's aggravated, as is suggested, then. How they'll...
3: do you have non aggravated racist abuse out of interest?
1: We probably shouldn't try and find
3: <laughs> out. <laughs> if anyone's got some, some kind racist words you can send to us, um, then, you know, podcast at the squareball.net.
1: Thankfully, the Daily Mail would never indulge in anything. Oh God, no! Approaching racism. I mean, I know that's that's the worst kind of whataboutery you, you're ever going to get. But you know, it's the Daily Mail, so you know bollocks to it.
3: Yeah, the the rumours do seem to go vary from him saying some of the most horrendous things you can say to like mark the black player seems to be the latest theory. But there's no, I don't as far as I'm aware, yeah. there's not really any evidence for any of it.
2: That second one has come up. Is just a complete hypothetical on right. Wacko, which was it was like what if that's what he said, and then that's been discussed so much that it's it's attracted its own gravity, that it's now gone to um right. to Twitter where people say, well people on Wacko were saying what if he said this I was like oh well what if he did say that and then it's going on other forums where people saying well and I I saw that being uh, used. the old uh, Danny Welbeck's. Uh, well yeah exactly I saw it it being used if he said what has been reported nothing has been reported (laughs) there have been no reports about anything he has said and that's why I think it's best. It's it's like with with any situation he is innocent until proven guilty the allegations are serious so it's it's probably best if you just go kind of right I'm going to wait and see what the outcome of that is I'm just going to put sort of my Kiko fandom on pause for a little bit because I'm not right keen on, on being all in on Team Kiko. You don't accidentally support a racist. No, exactly. So it's
1: like, right, until this is cleared up... If, you, if you're going I'll to be support- supporting racists, do it deliberately.
3: <laughs> is that what you're saying? Well, at least, you know, i have the, have the balls to <laughs> to declare where you stand on it. Like the Daily Mail.
2: Exactly. It is It is possible to just wait a couple of weeks and see what actually is going to be written down that we can then use as a factual basis for a conversation about what happens next. God, I can prove anything with fact.
1: <laughs> well, it might open the door for Ilian Meslier to get his uh, his first team debut. And he was at the uh, new club shop opening at the White Rose Centre in Leeds, uh, cutting the ribbon with Josh Warrington was there as well, um, repping the city and Janny Alioski. Well done, Janny. They let him out. <laughs> See, they armed him with
2: some scissors. Well, I was going to say, we're going to need Meslier. So I don't know if... Um... Having him in Alyoski's vicinity with sharp objects was necessarily wise. Maybe it was those like
1: places that they give kids at nursery that you know <laughs> they, they don't cut anything.
3: I'm yet to see a picture of of Meslier looking like a normal human. He's he's far too spindly. Like his his arms are at least a foot longer than a normal person, which for a goalkeeper is excellent. Mm.
1: How, how old is he? About 19, 20 is he or something? He's young,
3: yeah. yeah. He's he's going to fill out, I think.
1: Well, I was going to say, give him ten years on the beer and the pies, and
3: um... he'll be Nev Southall by the time he, <laughs> he retires. But at the moment, he's the most. He's like he's almost Peter Crouch esque. You know, the proportions of him just don't they
2: don't quite work. It's The body of a crane fly. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... the The video of Alyoski cutting this ribbon, he does do the thing of uh, I think there's a countdown, and then he goes, "No, I'm not going to do it yet," and. It, I'm not going to do it yet now I'm going to cut the ribbon again as we've said before with Aleoski it's the equivalent of offering
1: your hand to shake and then doing the (laughs) wavy fingers on your nose
2: have you seen the video of somebody doing that to Per Mertesacker he doesn't take he doesn't find it funny at all he stares the guy down and it's going back to him like the
1: the, 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 the wavy fingers is one of the funniest things ever you ever tried doing that with a kid or an adult
2: (laughs) <laughs> or Per Mertesacker, see how that goes.
3: I think Per Mertesacker's in the wrong there and not
1: oh, definitely at, not the
2: world. But you've got to see the funny side of that.
3: I am pleased we're opening more shops, though. I don't know why it feels nice. I, don't, I can't really explain why. I just like there being Leeds stuff about. Mm. It's a bit like the artwork around town and stuff. It's just nice to see Leeds United back out in the world because when Bates was here, he basically went, nope, it's all just going to be at this one shop and if you don't want to go to that shop, you can fuck off. <laughs>
1: I mean, the high street is struggling and everything is moving uh, online these days, but I think it's so important for the club to have a presence in the city.
2: Yeah. yeah, and you want to go in and you want to be able to handle the goods in this situation, the online shop's rubbish. So it's probably easier actually going into a a shop and seeing what they actually have than than trying to negotiate the the online store. Well,
1: the White Rose Centre did have a Leeds United store there once before, didn't it? And um, I remember my dad telling me he bumped into Peter Ridsdale there when Ridsdale was still at the club and it was around...
3: Giving the, away free stuff?
1: Well, not far off. Still um, open. Well, this, this was quite interesting in how um, things changed from this point onwards. It was the summer that Hasselbank went and he was angling for a move away and Peter Ridsdale was bulking at his wage demands. He said he was telling my dad how um Bank was asking for far too much money. I think it was forty grand a week he was asking mm. for at the time,
3: which I think was in the end was probably about what Peter Isdale was paying himself, wasn't it, for <laughs> for being our most ridiculous uh, overspending chairman in in history? You was, see he was on the telly, wasn't he, this week at yeah, the Preston game?
2: Preston's advisor, yeah, yeah, because he's not actually allowed to work for them, so he can only be. An advisor. Yeah, the irony with Hasselbank was always: if he'd just waited a year, he would have been. He would have untold riches. Forty grand a week. We'll double that, Jimmy. Why be so modest? Wild, isn't it? Uh, speaking of wages and all that kind of business, Keo, that's been
1: uh, interesting to watch from afar.
3: I know it's not strictly leads, but we're, he's a friend of the podcast. I think he's Richard Keo because we mentioned him so many times. But he's um...
1: you don't want to kind of validate their. Um... Their feelings towards Leeds by discussing him, but I think it, it's, I bet it's funny as well. Though it's discussion worthy because yeah, because of his last game. Well, he's finished his career on the highest point yeah. he'll ever get, and a waypoint point at, um, at Leeds.
3: Mm. And it's worth mentioning this story as well, just to while well, we were talking about Daft uh, Daft wages, we learned that he's on twenty four thousand pounds
2: a week. Mm. I mean, that's a lot of money. People worry about like FFP and why Leeds can't compete in the the transfer market and stuff, and then you see how much. Money clubs are paying absolute garbage like him, and it become you realize it's like, oh yeah, you're not actually going to get good players because rubbish players are asking for that amount of money.
3: I did enjoy the suggestion that they've sacked him because when this goes to court and he wins, they'll settle it via something some other way than Derby's account, so they don't have to. FFP the oh, uh, the it's money a le-
1: it's a legal cost so it's not included in FFP or something yeah
3: yeah which isn't a not a bad idea right i mean they've got form they've got form
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it would be very um convoluted and they need to let his agent know because his his agent is out in the media saying that Kyo's in a bad way and this is all terrible and um it is Amusing that the club, I mean, it, it just exposes them that their statement said they will not tolerate any of our players or staff behaving in a manner which puts themselves, their colleagues and members of the general public at risk of injury or worse, or which brings the club into disrepute. And I think, was it Bennett or Lawrence who scored for them at the weekend? Yeah, Lawrence was, he was on the bench about three days after the event. Yeah, and the other one is in the team and um, I'm pretty sure he scored on uh, on Saturday
3: yeah, it seems very much like they've they've sacked the one who's broken and old yes. and kept the ones that are still worth something.
2: There was uh we sort of criticized uh Wecko a moment ago as the um the echo chamber of the futile. But the someone on there dredged up um our bid for Richard Keogh when he was uh Coventry City captain. We were we were When was that? It was the Bates era. In fact, it was just when GFH were taking over.
3: pounds <laughs>
2: <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, Coventry were Is that were, a year? were desperate to hold on to him um, in the face of uh, strong interest from Leeds United. How different it could have been, eh? It does suggest, though,
3: that Derby County view drink driving not as seriously as not wearing your seatbelt, which was
2: Richard Kier's main crime in this. His main crime was getting hurt. Yes. That's the thing. If he, if he'd come out of this unscathed, he would probably still be the captain.
3: Why did you have your heart broken when you were 19? <laughs> no one loves you when you're old. That's what this is telling you.
1: <laughs> Another one of the podcast favourites, Sean Harvey has reappeared in the news this week. Um, former uh, star of the EFL, the figurehead we all love to love. So what's happened here then with Rick Parry in his comments?
2: Well, he's been replaced by Rick Parry, who is the new chairman of the EFL, and he's look. he's basically it seems like all of the complaints about Sean Harvey that uh, Harvey ignored are now on his desk and he's sort of leafing through them all and going you know what you're right but specifically Morrisons <laughs> <laughs> outer space Bangkok um, the uh, <laughs> one of these expense forms for Bangkok the specific one uh, that's been discussed is Andrea Zani was leading him and about 10 clubs were complaining vociferously about the, the broadcast deal with Sky saying that the EFL didn't have the legal authority to sign it and that the whole process was handled incorrectly. And um, there is apparently an independent 400-page report on the issue that was completed in January that the clubs have not been allowed to see because I assume it was given to Sean Harvey. Um, but Rick Parry's read it and he now thinks that the clubs were right. I think the thing is that the, the processes of the EFL, Rick says, are fine, like the things they have to do. Sign a new deal. That's all right. The way Sean Harvey did it was wrong. Like he didn't adhere to their own processes. So, what happens next is a is a bit of a mystery. And this is all kind of sources say. So none of it's confirmed. But um, uh, is
3: there any chance Sean Harvey can go to prison?
2: <laughs> well, the quote from, for a long time. The quote from the source. Um, achieved... He'd have he'd have a torrid time with me. <laughs>
3: Sorry, Although he keeps failing upwards, he probably end up running running the the wing <laughs> unexpectedly.
2: <laughs> the uh, so the the source says that Rick Parry says there's nothing wrong with the rule book. The problem is that it was being ignored. So how you fix that? I don't know because that broadcast deal is signed. What it sounds like to me is that the uh, the EFL is going to sort itself out, get itself in order, become the most lucrative, well-run league in the business just as we get promoted into the Premier League, which will then immediately fall apart and we'll we'll wish we were back here.
1: <laughs> oh, the arse has gone out of the transfer market again.
2: <laughs> yep, exactly.
1: <laughs> Wages have plummeted. Oh, well done Leeds. Yeah, that we'll watch that one with interest because it would it will be genuinely interesting to see if there's any comeback on that because there are a lot of unhappy people. It's that?
3: surprising to see Sean Harvey at the heart of something going very very, very wrong, isn't it?
1: Chose your words carefully there or not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say something slightly differently. Um, yeah, things things that he's involved with tend to not go brilliantly for everybody. That's one way of putting it. That is one way but of he, putting it, yeah. But he, for his part, is always well paid, which is good for him.
1: Very well expressed. Right, we'll move on to this then. Another thank you to you if you got involved in the Centenary kit draw. Now, when we originally did this, uh, well, quick reset for the benefit of you if you're tuning in for the first time or whatever, we um, got hold of a Centenary shirt. Only 19.19 of them made. But Gitano Barardi managed to get his hands on one for us because he's a nice guy. He may have mugged
3: someone for it. We're not sure. He's... You'd give him a shirt, wouldn't you, if he asked? Yeah, there'll be no certificate of uh, like Providence.
2: There's a few tears and rips on it where he's, he's had to snatch it out of somebody's hands or, <laughs> or rip it off their back.
1: The blood wouldn't come out and all that, yeah. Anyway, he's done as a solid and he's taken it into the dressing room and got it signed by the First Team Squad and Marcelo Bielsa, who has signed it just underneath the badge, Where Your Heart Lives, which is lovely and beautiful. This thing, it's a money-can't-buy prize, but you can have it for as little as a fiver because we are raffling it off to raise money for the Leeds Children's Hospital Charity leads cares um if you fancy getting your hands on it or getting involved the squareball.net forward slash shirt we thought it'd take a bit of time to build and we might you know get a few thousand pounds if we were lucky Twenty-three thousand pounds it's at now which is amazing and it runs for well, well end of this month isn't it uh november because again we were concerned that it might take time to build however it went insane uh very very quickly so
2: where will it end you tell us The sky is the limit. Take it to outer space, we can find
3: Sean Harvey. We need to at least exceed Richard Keogh's weekly wage. (laughs) That needs to be (laughs) a name.
1: Just as a matter of morals. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thanks as well to Platinum Rail Services who hopped on board huh, and provided two tickets in the Gary Speed Suite for the QPR game as like a spot prize. And we've decided as well, we're going to start doing some more spot prizes. We'll do like, you know, some clobber from the uh, the Squareball store, maybe some subs and some stuff like that, just to say thank you for everybody who's got involved. So the sooner you do get involved, the better your chances of getting hold of a spot prize. Never mind the grand prize as well. Once again, the address you need, the squareball.net forward slash shirt. Long-time listeners of the podcast will be well aware of the blasphemy baton, which was a feature that we were desperate to kill off, but it's been resurrected. Events have happened. There have been developments. We've not been doing it recently because it had kind of run its course and we'd had enough of it, but it needs to mention now because the guy who started it all, Nathan Jones, has been sacked by Stoke. Forsaken. wonder if he's taken his framed Christ-like photo off the wall of the Britannia Stadium or whatever it's called. He
3: celebrated his wins too much, that man. Because mm. He had one a few weeks ago and he, he did exactly the same thing. Just going mental, and you think, "Well, he's still bottom of the league, mate. Let's let's just stay calm for now. Just trudge to the dressing room, keep your head down." But he's gone.
1: Yeah, we started as a daft idea to test God's preference in the Stoke versus Leeds game last season, all because Nathan Jones himself is uh is always put his successes down to the Lord rather than himself, not his own abilities. It was all to do with the big guy upstairs. Uh, On the day, of course, the almighty chose Stoke and it was passed on when the current holder was defeated by another team and it made its way around the Football League and eventually offshore via Nottingham Forest for their pre-season tour to Greece into the Champions League as well, which was very, very exciting. Now, um... So the two significant developments, first of which we've touched on there is, is that the Lord's definitive ruling on the matter? Because now Jones has been sacked.
2: Well, I'm trying to work out whether um, there's any, what religion Rory Delap adheres to. I think it's just throw-ins. So we're... we're is he we're, Irish? He is Irish. Catholic,
3: probably. Mm. Probably don't want to get into that. <laughs>
2: Not again, eh? Is it, is it, <laughs> The god of throw-ins, I think, is uh, is what we now have to worship,
1: and the other massive significant the mixer, <clears throat> the other massive getting it in the mixer, the other massive significant development has been that it has been unified with its spin-off, uh, like Joey spin off from Friends. Uh, the booze baton which was invented by Eden J Harris him and his mates were running this and we've kind of hopped on board with this and it's going to determine where the end of season promotion party is going to be everyone's invited and when we do this if we actually do manage to fulfil this we should do a podcast from there as well thinking about it. That'd be fun. So, uh, Eden J Harris, who's known by the nickname of garden said, right, the season, the party starts in Leeds at the start of the season. then when we lose, we give up the baton by losing. So it went via Stoke again, funnily enough in the, uh, in the league cup. Then it's been to Birmingham, Manchester, Wolverhampton, Aston Villa. Now Villa lost to Liverpool and then took possession of the booze baton. Now to return to the blasphemy baton, it's getting complicated. I appreciate, um, it was picked up by Spurs in the Champions League, who then lost to Liverpool, wasn't it? So Liverpool, they've unified the belts. They, they're Too busy celebrating
3: that Champions League win. They don't know what
1: they've got. I mean, it's the blasphemy baton and the booze baton. So they will now stay in tandem, won't they? They will. So the end of season party will
2: be in the Lord's chosen destination. Which can't be Liverpool, can it? Well, they've got that really brilliant concrete cathedral. I would, uh-huh. the I would, uh, I would get drunk in that. I'm not sure you're allowed, but... Wine? I <laughs> can That's try. part of the deal, isn't it? You get wine and crisps. <laughs> <laughs> wine and crisps, yeah. Uh, yeah. Isn't that how it works? Make it sound like
1: a bloody Sex in the City watch-along party, don't I've got you?
2: some more of uh, Rory Delap's family history, though, if you like. <laughs> from, um, I was just reading Wikipedia. He's actually from Sutton Coalfield and uh, supported Carlisle United. But it's written in a wonderful uh, way, as if you should know... Um, his parents, it's uh, Rory's father is John DeLapp from Letterkenny and his mother is Maura DeLapp from Kells. Oh, oh, Ma- <laughs> John and Maura, of course. <laughs> I know John DeLapp, the, the John DeLapp from Letterkenny. Um, his uncle is Paddy DeLapp. Um, a Letterkenny businessman, golfer and athletic coach <laughs> who runs Clark's News Agents and organises an annual cha- charity cycling event in aid of cancer and also in the career of former Civello test team member Philip Danin. Another uncle, Anthony, is an award-winning actor-playwright. His works have been performed at uh, Angranion Theatre in the town. I think his uh, his Wikipedia page, Rory's Wikipedia page, has been hijacked by his uncles, basically. It's like, oh, just get on there and just... just Put a little ad for his uncle. Yeah.
3: Describing his, his uncle as a local, as a golfer as well. Is that, is that just a man? Because he's not a professional. Because well, he runs a news agent. So that's just a man who
2: plays golf. That's the one bit that's actually got a little uh, site after it. So I'm going to see where the um, right that links to a story. The headline is "Golf Balls Set to Rain in Letterkenny."
1: Hey, listen. While while you do that, let's <laughs> return. Let's who return knew? back to the. Unified batons.
2: Who knew Rory DeLap would be so interesting? At
1: home with the Dilaps. So let's move back to the batons, because if it is Liverpool, there is a very serious chance that they might not lose for the rest of the season.
3: It's, it's possible. They are very good and quite lucky as well. Which? <laughs> well, they are. Let's face it. They, they seem to always, you know, drag a result out somehow, don't they? In the last minute, plenty of decent venues in Liverpool. Anyway, if you fancy uh, going and wetting your whistle in Liverpool, like Jupiter's, for example. She I went in for a drink with my partner. The manager in the toothless barman had obviously been <laughs> dipping in their stash. She wouldn't stop touching me and her pupils were all over. Uh, took 10 minutes to buy a drink because they couldn't concentrate. Dump was empty and I'm not surprised. Probably good if you want to get high, but we didn't. I mean, but, at a gift horse in the mouth there, really. Uh, but I think it sounds quite fun, particularly the barmaid who wouldn't stop touching him. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take what you can get, haven't you, these days? But, you know, when, when I was looking on TripAdvisor, I did obviously go to kind of the worst ones, but... Kev Bram gives it five stars and describes it as he's put the title second home on it. Always a good night. Never judge a book by its cover. Full of nice people having a ball of a time. Not stuck up people or posers. Because that's how he views people who aren't high and with teeth. (laughs) Oh, we're teeth, have you? Show off. Fucking hell. We touched on it a little earlier then,
1: but the extra ball this week, we are picking our uh, worst midfield on this week's extra ball, our other spin-off podcast, uh, because we picked the defence a couple of weeks back. And I wouldn't permit you, Carlton Palmer, in that defence, would I, Moscow? When you two went head to head, Michael was determined the winner because I felt Carlton Palmer was inadmissible.
2: I'm hoping uh, I'm bringing him back to the court, and <laughs> uh, this time, I different
3: will... charges. Yeah, <laughs>
2: charged with being a midfielder. Unfortunate choice of words. Um, I've got some. <laughs> I've got some backups. Well, I mean, he was found guilty, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, so him. If you want to hear more about Carlton Palmer, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I've can't... got very little else to say about him apart from I hate him. So, yeah, basically take everything I said about Patrick Bamford earlier and apply it to Carlton Palmer and then you don't need to sign up to the Extra Ball this week.
1: Um, plus, we carry on destroying Harry Kewell's life as we go back to the future to right the wrongs of the 0 one 2 season in Championship Manager. And uh, it's all at thesquareball.net forward slash Ball.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.
1: Blackburn at the weekend. They're managed by Tony Mowbray. He's got a face like a pensioner's elbow.
3: We've mentioned Wacko on this podcast already actually years back there was a very good thread on that with tony mowbray photoshop thread wonderful if it can be i think he's probably on there still it's worth it's worth a look he's all right
2: tony mowbray isn't he yeah i think he seems like an all right fella he's a good i was um he was quite gracious about the 3-2 defeat last season yeah he's fine i think um when it all goes wrong for woodgate and Kewell at Middlesbrough they need to get tony mowbray back go back to basics i mean blackburn i'd i'd forgotten he was still manager of blackburn because i just don't associate him with anything else apart from the Riverside Stadium or oh, more accurately er- Erson Park yeah Zach Woodgate gets Stuart Ripley in play the kids and then uh, give it Tony Mowbray at the end of the season I do hope they hang on to Woodgate until at least we've played them have you seen the, the the clip of him about the league table where he says it's a liar what Woodgate yes it's some press conference he's given he says uh, people say the the league table doesn't lie it does it's a liar <laughs> So going well then. I mean, if you're sitting in a press conference telling everybody that the league table is a liar, then um, I'd say your job security is perhaps is not what it could be.
1: When it comes to uh, the league table, Blackburn returning to them, they're 16th and they're they're effects, They're rubbish, is what we're saying.
3: They must be rubbish. They've got. I was looking at who plays for them, and Stuart Downing plays for them. Should be at Middlesbrough. This is should it. be At Middlesbrough. The whole lot. They need to go home. Stuart Downing's one of those players for years. I used to get him at Adam Johnson confused and it took a a nasty turn of events for me to correctly identify him. So if if he's only been able to find his worth through Adam Johnson's crimes, that's not good for him. They've even got Danny Graham.
2: Exactly. They've got Bradley Johnson. It is. Yeah, this is like uh, Ghosts of League One for us, isn't it?
3: (laughs) Their their only good player really is Bradley Dak. He was Mm. quite good against us last year, I remember. Uh, He kind of plays their number 10 just being the striker and he's quite good
2: yeah he scored five goals this season we
3: maybe get Stuart Dallas to to man mark him again
1: well funnily enough they've scored exactly the same number of goals as us at this point which is uh, 19 but they've conceded 22 so nearly three times as many as we have I think we're a bit more secure at the back than they are so uh, again you'd be hoping for another routine win at this point like it was last year
2: yeah (laughs) who scored.com do say that their weaknesses are defending against attacks down the wings. So maybe this is Helder uh, Costa's day to shine. Defending against skillful players, so Tyler Roberts will have a field day. Um, they're also weaker protecting the lead. So even if they do uh, score against us, and their strengths are creating long shot opportunities, which seems to be just that's like, Bradley Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, giving Bradley Johnson the ball like forty yards from goal. Yeah, that's did a wants,
1: chance. Did he clear the stand? <laughs> or have I imagined that
2: I can't remember I, know, yeah, I
3: remember he scored a East really Stand. good one against Arsenal and the, it just gave him too much confidence what well, did he just say the East the
1: East yeah, <laughs> yeah the, he scored the one Thunder Bastard yeah but then the uh, one
2: against Arsenal was beautiful
1: yeah it's the, it's the old stopped clock thing though isn't it it's a bit yeah. like Alioski and his well anything that Alioski does <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's more like a melted clock, though, in Zalioski's <laughs> life. Uh, apparently, their style of play is possession football, width, and controlling the game in the opposition's half. Also, attacking through the middle and being non-aggressive. So they're going to uh, they're going to struggle up against Ben White, I think. Yeah, That's we, my prediction.
1: By rights, we should beat them because they're crap. They really are crap. They had gone six games without a win prior to beating um, Gary Monk's Sheffield Wednesday last weekend. That was a very very late win that they got as well when they were
2: uh, and uh, hilarious. It was very funny, yeah. It? I really enjoyed that. I was um, Anything that causes distress to Gary Monk and his group. I watched that on the old uh, EFL on Quest and it was a right cliffhanger and then the, the result when it came was very pleasing indeed.
1: Yeah, EFL on Quest. I had to watch of that on Saturday. Roll-on match of the day next season. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. No offence to Colin Murray.
2: The, the advantage of it is that if you watch it on their catch-up player, you can fast-forward... <laughs> quite quickly uh, through things and through the adverts and stuff like the way that their player works doesn't prevent you from skipping the boring bits so that's quite good
3: I feel like the sight of Colin Murray's old face is just a marker for how long we've been out of the Premier League as well because when we when we were relegated he was like a a fresh was he Radio 1 fresh young face and look at him now
2: old as old as we all are <laughs> he's gradually morphing into Steve Lamac as he gets older maybe they could team up do a music and football show Lamac and Murray You should pitch this to somebody.
1: You'd have Murray and Lamac, I think, wouldn't you?
2: Mm, Lamac and Murray seems to trip off the tongue a little bit easier, but I don't know. Leave it up to their egos, I guess.
1: So, what are we expecting from Blackburn then? Back to the actual game
2: itself. A win. Yes. 2 0 again. 3, I think. We're going to go. I think we're going to score in the first half an hour this time.
3: We haven't really um,
1: touched on Niketia's injury. Are we got any updates on that? Because obviously it'll be Bamford again,
2: but. Nah, nobody yeah. knows. He just went home. Well, Bielsen says he went home after training and then felt something.
3: Rob um, Price is swapping his organs daily to see if it helps. Got a new bladder in today, I think.
1: <laughs> He's taken, like, the cyclist's blood transfusions and uh, really upped
3: his game. Trying with a new pancreas. No, nope, it's not that. <laughs> Try something else. <laughs> but yeah, black men
1: are terrible. We're, we're good. P- we're pretty good. So yeah. and I can't
3: oh, wait for this coming back to bite us. <laughs> yeah
1: but that's the problem with this division and, and most of these match previews is we look at the sides most of the sides in this division and we say we should beat them because we're better than them it's, it's true of most teams
3: if we're going to win 3-0 Moscow is Pat Bamford going to score I think so I think he'll score against Platburn.
2: I have faith in him um, like you did in the Preston game yeah but I mean it's not you, you're talking about this as if it's my fucking fault <laughs> It's him who keeps cocking it up. My predictions are fine. I say every week Bamford will score, and does he? No. I I tend to agree. This has got a Bamford goal feel about it. I I actually agree as well. I think he'll score, and then just looking, uh, Preston are at home to Huddersfield, which is should be a gimme for them. Although uh, the Cowley twins are kind of smugly making Huddersfield quite resilient, and uh, are they twins or brothers? Um, I don't care.
1: A husband and wife. (laughs)
2: Um, and West, both. West Brom are away to Hull, um, and I don't really know what Hull are anymore. Hulls still the team they were doing the uh, mould by the Tigers thing at the weekend.
3: They've basically got one good player, haven't they? They've got Jared Bowen, who, mm. who we made inquiries about last year, but he's about thirty million quid. They want for him, so
2: yeah. Hull are eleventh, which is basically where they will always be forever, um, no matter what division they're in. And yeah, that's probably what are Swansea doing? Swansea will probably have a game as well. Aren't Sheffield they? Wednesday away. Oh, okay, the the Monk Derby. Well, that can be a that can be a nice uh, goalless draw, I think.
1: So, will we end the weekend going into the international? Bear in mind, we don't have a lot of great form going into international breaks. Will we end it on top of the division?
2: Yeah, by about six points, I think that's my prediction.
3: <laughs> it's bold, but yeah, I'll go along with that. So, scores for this one, we, we all feeling a three nil.
2: Why not? Yeah, do it. <laughs>
1: Every week we like to pick heroes and villains here on the podcast, uh, an acknowledgement of the people who've made things better or worse across the last seven days. First up, the Ken Bates Villainy Awards. Ken Bates gets a nomination. That's the rules of this
3: game. What what for this time? He's not been up to anything in Wyoming, so just for closing all our shops, for shrinking the club, closed shops, he closed stands, he closed the upper tier of the East stand.
2: He just made people not want to bother. It was small time, wasn't it? It was. He, He liked to give out, he was a big millionaire but he's the guy who just sat in the back of the cafes in Monaco and stank and people and the, the proper millionaires laughed at him Unless, and then he came here and made us similarly smelly
1: and let's not forget when he took control of Leeds United again for the second saved us again mm. uh, in 2007 it was a, for a total outlay of about half a million quid bargain so presumably he ploughed all the rest of it into getting us prom- oh no never mind <laughs> and actually when it came to you know, he closed a lot of stuff down the things that he never opened
3: nightclub which was a shame. It had been, it had been worth going in at least once just to see how awful it would have
2: been. There would probably be been uh, other podcasts out there, maybe a Nottingham Forest podcast going in. And our booze bat on destination well Leeds one at the weekend, and uh, we've seen we've found this review of a nightclub on TripAdvisor. It's at the football ground. Sounds like a nightmare. Who else? QPR that kit? No, not acceptable. No, it needs it needs redesigning. If they're going to be sponsored by Royal Panda, dress as pandas. <laughs> Royal ones, if necessary, I think we can check the rules and see if they can wear a crown. Panda with a crown. Yeah, that'd be absolutely fine. (laughs) And if all their players could maybe take on the proportions of pandas as well, I think they would be, they'd maybe be easier to beat, but I think they would be more popular because everybody's going to go and see like 11 pandas playing football, aren't they? So when we go to uh,
1: Loftus Road later on in the season, uh, we could wear our all dark platinum grey and pink
2: kit, charcoal, whatever it is, or we could wear our new sky blue one just to piss everybody right off again. I think we should turn up in hoops. Bring out a fifth kit, blue and white hoops, and wear that and see how they like it. These are mauve hoops. Yeah, slightly different shade, just uh, just to make all the QBR home fans blind ones go through what our fans had to go I through I
1: do have genuine questions about that kit as to why that was allowed to be registered as a kit when it's clearly a terrible clash
3: although well, the third kit would have been perfectly good and the home kit would have been a massive improvement as well mm. so
2: I, I don't understand have they still got a kit with the black and red Dennis the Menace stripes Is not that, anymore I think they last had that in about 1995 <laughs> Well, that was always pretty good. Gary
3: Penrice or someone playing <laughs> in that.
2: I mean, we weren't, uh, there was never actually much said about this, but it seemed like we weren't allowed to wear our sky blue away to Sheffield Wednesday because of, I guess, if you put their dark blue and white together, you get light blue. So, so if we weren't allowed to mess everybody's lives up with a horrible kick clash, why were they?
1: I've been trying to figure out where we're
3: going to wear our blue one. Um, On the streets of Leeds. Brentford, yeah. I would say. Because
2: it goes nicely with jeans.
1: We'll wear it at Brentford for the Pontus and derby. But where else? I can't think. Blackburn away? Nope.
2: Middlesbrough? It'll probably be alright with Middlesbrough red, but then why wouldn't we just wear white? But we wore we wore yellow up there. I think we. it'll be those games where there's not actually a clash, but we just wear it to... Sell it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> if they have it in stock. Uh,
2: who are we blaming for that kit? QPR or the referee? QPR brought it.
3: Referee should have made him wear Leeds training
2: gear. Yeah. we could have sold some more that way
1: there was a game in the 80s where I think it was Millwall who wore our away kit I think it was because they uh, didn't have a suitably contrasting kit have I Mm. I remember that or was it just socks
2: there's there's an incidence of us away at Brighton I think wearing red shorts we had to borrow their away shorts so it's white shirts red shorts
1: but that's not nothing to do with us at home to Millwall
2: no, but I don't I don't have any information on that. So you, wrote a book. Uh... you wrote a book about the 100 years. Gaping holes in this
1: book. <laughs> Legion United. you should know every fact about every
2: game. Well, I
3: don't. Call yourself an author. Uh, who else? Paul Heckingbottom, just for ruining another club. He didn't ruin ours because he, he wasn't here long enough. But he's been sacked again at Hibs just because he's, he's useless. Are they bottom or very near the bottom of the league? Uh, they lost their, their semi-final, didn't they? I think they, they were keeping him on because he had a good cup run. Then
2: he lost that and they were like, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, That'll they, do. They've won one game and it was the first game of the season. There's been a lot of games since then that they've not won and apparently they keep throwing away Leeds as well. Is he bothered? He never seemed that bothered when he was there. <laughs> well, the thing with Heckingbottom is he never wanted to be a manager. He kind of got the job by default at Barnsley and then I think he got the taste for it. And then when Leeds came knocking, he was like, oh, yeah, good chance. And now he thinks he's a manager. And now somebody needs to take him aside and just say, Paul. Oh, poor no you gave it a go you gave it a good go yeah you tried you got a couple of jobs out of it A couple of payoffs but just like, stop now Brian
1: what's his face I'm our ex-manager what's his name Brian McDermott that's the one yeah it's how easily we forget
3: <laughs> he's he kind of just left it all be he doesn't the management management side of things you get a couple of good payoffs and that's enough for you isn't it you can just slide into a bit of scouting or something I Fo- do.
1: football is remarkable for that isn't it payoffs yeah just getting, being shit at your
3: job again it's like Mark Hughes you only have to be good for about a year somewhere as a manager or a player mm. then you get a good deal and you're like yeah,
2: done sorted forever I think uh, with, with McDermott I think we did break him Pecking bottom kind of kept his confidence together long enough to go to uh, Hibbs and still have that like well they only replaced me because they got Marcelo Bielsa so it's not like I did a bad <laughs> job who I told him about by the yes. way <laughs> um, that guy was nothing before me so whereas McDermott I think has just gone I mean the whole GFH he worked for both GFH and Angelino, it's a lot for somebody to uh, to go through.
1: I imagine the counselling's still ongoing for all that. One
2: Angelino
3: mm-hmm. himself has just sacked a, a manager as well. He has. Uh, it's Uh I don't, never, don't know how he's been doing, but you know, he well, got promoted last season, and he's yeah. and he you now he sacked him anyway.
2: They're um they're in the relegation places, but they've got a game in hand that would uh, would get them out. Which is kind of if you're going to get promoted, and your one signing is going to be Mario Balotelli. It's kind of like well. That's not too bad, but obviously Cellino is probably wondering why they've not won the league already, so get rid of him,
1: even though he's flying the plane, et cetera
2: he uh, the strongest suggestion for the replacement is somebody who he used to have as his manager at Cagliari. so it's that usual thing of him just going like, "Ah, oh, I'm bored of Eugenio, where is there?" Uh- Where's Brian? Nigel Gibbs. (laughs) Nigel, I got a job. I'm still paying that Nigel Gibbs. (laughs) Why don't you come me the Brescia? It could be, like, let McDermott in. But, yeah, he he loves that churn of going like, oh, no, I sacked you before, but hey, it could be different now. It will not be different now. Uh, Who else we got nominated for this? Uh, Luke Ailing who was captain in the centenary game because Liam Cooper was uh, was injured and appears to be um I mean this is nice it's great he says uh, it's it was great to be uh, it's great to captain this club especially in the centenary game it was a really special moment it was probably the first time in my career that stopped and thought wow I am actually captaining Leeds through its 100th birthday and for the centenary match. It was a real pinch-me moment, which is great that it meant so so much to him. I do feel like... Does he realise the 100th birthday and the centenary match were linked? <laughs> he talks about them as if they were
3: separate events. I like, know the, the reason it's a centenary match is because... that's what centenary, centenary means.
2: <laughs> and And the reason... <laughs> The reason he was captain was because Liam Cooper was injured. So when he starts saying, I went home, I took the shirt, the armband and the jacket, it's all going to go up in a frame. I never frame shirts or anything. This is going to be the first one that I have up in the house. It's definitely the first moment in my career where I've stopped and just been wowed. And wondering if the next thing is like, Liam, do you want to come round and see my big framed... centenary captain shirt I've even got the special bit for the armband I've hung it in front of the telly (laughs) it's just it's unmissable every time just like sending oh well if you can't come round I'll send you some photos of it sends him a 100 photos of it because it should have been Liam Cooper is on the dream scene painting after all not not Mr Manbun and he did kind of get it by default but why not whack it up in a great big frame so you can get Liam round to, to look at it and cry?
1: And why not put one of our own
3: players in as a villain? Michael, why do you think Moscow <laughs> is Luke Hayling? I think it's going to be easy to... Who do you like in the current Luke squad? Luke
2: Ayling, I think he's wonderful.
3: But you've nominated him to be a villain?
2: Yes. Okay. Uh, do we have any other nominations or should we close that out? Uh, Jose Luis Schlavert, who has never got on well with Marcelo Bielsa since he also turned up at Vélez Sarsfield and told them, uh, he said that every player in this squad is equal and you all have a chance to start. And Jose Luis Chiliver, the uh, the free kick and penalty scoring goalkeeper for Chile and who've been to World Cups and won Best Goalkeeper in the Year award, pointed at the uh, the Argentinian version of Iliam Meslier, who was his, his uh, understudy, and said, me and him are not the same, also, you are wrong. And then... Went home to Paraguay, and it became a, a pan South American diplomatic <laughs> incident. Um, and he's not happy about Bielsa's comments on the protests in Chile that came after the was it which game was it, it was after the Birmingham game, Sheffield Wednesday, the Sheffield Wednesday game. Uh, Chilovet tweeted, Marcelo Bielsa, you are in favour of criminals who burn buildings, trains and cars. It shows that he has not learned anything from life. It's easy to say from England and that we teach him success in Vélez and he has not learned anything. Failures in football, I take it to populism. I don't really understand much of that because it's been translated through Google, but I don't think Marcelo Bielsa is in favour of criminals who burn things. So I think Chilovet is wrong and he should take our manager's name out of his wrong mouth.
1: There's a thing, talking about people burning things, we're recording this on Bonfire Night, and obviously Bonfire Night, a very British tradition.
3: I, I wonder what Bielsa might make of that, walking around and just seeing loads of shit on fire. I think he'd be into it. He, he strikes me as a man who'd like to learn about it. He yeah. probably knows far more about the whole gunpowder plot than any of us, in truth.
2: He's probably <laughs> running a bonfire in Wetherby tonight, just yeah. for...
3: Carrying pallets down on his back because yeah. he feels guilty for something. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing
1: them on the fire. Make sure there are no hedgehogs He's under have, there. going oh. <laughs> out
2: can you imagine, I mean, I, I would like to know if anybody in Weatherby went and knocked on his door on Halloween, trick-or-treating. Because he always brings sweets to the, for the kids on the, um, greeting the players off the coach. So I imagine the bowl of sweets next to his door would have been incredible. That
1: final timid knock when he's just got nothing left.
2: The apologies. <laughs> Instead to get like a, a six-hour coaching course. <laughs> Did you see... It's, I uh, forget the fellow's name, who translates videos of Marcelo Bielsa on, on Twitter and puts one on YouTube, but he does a, an absolutely sterling job. Is it Juan Jimena job. or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, he, he found one, a clip of him, uh, of Bielsa taking some kids into the, uh, the training compound with with Chile and sending one of them out with a signed ball afterwards. He obviously gave them a tour or whatever. And, uh... And one of them's interviewed and it says, Oh, you spoke to uh coach Bielsa, what did he say? He said, Well he, he he thanked me for his sport and he uh, Told me to go home. He gave me yes, he gave me this this ball and it's oh what's it sign? is says? says to to Jimmy from Marcelo Bielsa and uh, and then he told me to go home and he says, and he told you something else, didn't he? He said, Yes, not to talk to the press. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Should we pick a, a winner from those then?
3: QPR's kit seems the
2: the worst of those. Yeah. I hated it from the moment I saw it. It's like a, a mint arrow left in the rain and uh, it should be stopped.
1: Excellent. And on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award, somebody who's done the opposite of causing misery, caused the joy across the last week. Who
2: we got? Plenty of candidates because it was a good winning week. I'm going to leap in here straight away to because uh, I want to stop this idea that I hate all our players. So <laughs> I am nominating Jack Harrison, Tyler Roberts and Leif Davis all on my own because I love them more than any of you. Jack Harrison's not ours. That's the only reason you like him. (laughs) Tyler Roberts is, and Leaf Davis is, and Leaf's got a great name. I think being called Leaf.
3: Now Jack Harrison is good, and he's doing the things people said he couldn't do now: Mm. assists, passing, and stuff into the box.
2: (laughs) I'm playing left wing, left midfield, and left back all at once. Which Uh, that's where Stuart Dallas plays. Well, they're both doing it. (laughs) So they're sharing that. But it sounds quite difficult, that.
1: Michael, give us another coaching masterclass in the art of passing to people.
3: What you do is, yeah, you you run into the box, you have a look up, you look for one of your, your players in the same colour shirt. Admittedly not easy in the QPR game. But then you, your passing process is kind of like the shooting one. Mm. You, you do it with a withdrawal of the foot from the ball and you bring it forward, striking the ball. And due to the angle of your foot, that determines the where the ball ends up uh, and you're trying to
2: get it to one of your teammates. Either their head or their foot. So I do Not straight hard into their lower abdomen I've had stomach <laughs> 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 yeah, Like I suspect Patrick Bamford. In fact, Bamford uh, could be retrospectively nominated for Villainy. For There we go. Yeah, I don't, sus-
1: I don't hate our players. The
2: suspicion that he may have uh, accidentally on purpose injured Eddie Nketiah. Uh, we're on Heroes now, though,
1: so you can't have that. Okay, then I- Tyler
2: Roberts, who I love and enjoy. Yeah, he's in sparkling form. Good to see him
1: back. Two assists as well and a goal from Jack Harrison in the 2-0 win. So, yeah, they're both legit. And Leif Davis
2: bombing up the left. It was just really exciting, wasn't it? He's really fast. He looks really strong as well. Um, Compared
3: to... This is, this is going to sound like I'm hating our players now, but when Barry Douglas has come on at left-back mm. and done the same... It's basically been that same switch, as, isn't it, recent, in recent weeks. And that's always been a bit boring. Whereas <laughs> Leif Davis came on. Anything he but just, boring. He just set off. Where did we sign him from? He was like a racing car going into turbo. He was like the new Mike Whitlow.
2: I think... Did he come from... Markham? Yes, he did. And if you remember his debut against Aston Villa away last year when he played centre back obviously because he's a left back started it with an, a, a massive crunching tackle that I think he was almost he was very close to being bugged for I like his style yeah he looks like a really good prospect and we've saved him from a life of crime and probably
1: drugs in Morecambe. true uh, classic British seaside town
2: uh, who else? Uh, well Marcelo also for saving Leaf Davis and also for his uh, his weekend spent in uh, he went to Nottingham I think it was to support the Chilean women's hockey team in their uh, valiant attempt to get to the Olympics, they were beaten by Team GB, despite having a, a pep talk from Bielsa in his uh, his Adidas outerwear, not Kapla this time. I, I'm wondering if Chile, if their hockey team is sponsored by Adidas, so he was uh, conforming to, to their uh, dress code. We, than it was
1: flagged with us as well, that um, speaking of Adidas, that um, manager for QPR, what's his name?
2: Mark, Mark Warburton. Warburton
1: yeah was wearing uh, added as Yeezys uh, at the weekend that, that was a retrospective nomination for Villainy however inadmissible because mm. uh, Eamon who designs the fanzine uh, he did some trainer research for us not Yeezys just looked a bit like
2: Yeezys was so wearing fake Yeezys yeah I mean knock, is that worse knock off,
1: knock off ones from the market Yeah,
2: something like that uh, Heroes anyway back to that Yes, yeah, I'll be also. It's uh, the, the he is a hockey fan because his uh, his daughter plays hockey, and I found some great a write up of him watching her play for. Uh, she plays for a team in Rosario, and um, he he was pacing. He was described as pacing up and down the touchline, exactly as if he was manager. And then when a, a shot of hers hit the post, he was like yelling and angry and pounding the uh, the chain link fence around the the pitch. So he uh, now he's he's uh, he's well into hockey, and it was nice to see him there. Uh, not just sat in his video bunker at home, but going out to see some some fresh air. Got the train as well.
3: My mate was uh, was working
2: on that train, got to meet him. Right. Very jealous.
3: Worth, it's worth going on trains just in the off chance
2: you see him. Was he, on, was he first class or just regular? He wouldn't Ooh. go
3: first class, would he? I can't remember, actually. Oh, okay. Too if, ostentatious for Bielsa. You'd, even if he's just bought a normal seat, you'd,
2: you'd move him, wouldn't you? Be like... I mean, can you imagine just ending up sat next to Marcelo Bielsa on a train? You'd come out of it, you'd, you'd be the best left back in the world. God, did you see that... Um
1: the sort of blow-up that happened online, or it was the elderly couple who went and sat in a pregnant woman's reserved seats on a train. It was full yes. and ref- they refused to move to the pensioners. And there was a big hoo-ha about should pensioners or pregnant women get the
2: uh, get the seat. What do you think Bielsa would do? I think he would uh, reorganise the railways so that there was enough seats for everybody.
3: <laughs> and immediately take them back into state, yeah, state ownership. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Which other heroes? Uh, Shane Green. Not a name you probably know, but he's the man who has done the big mural by the... Uh, the footbridge that goes over the M621. It's at the end of, uh, what street is it? Can't remember now.
2: It's Pooh Bridge, I know that much.
3: It's at the, it's at the, the street that's kind of butts onto the uh, the big flyover thing anyway. Uh, he's done a huge Leeds badge on there, uh, just in his school holidays, basically, because he's, um, he's the head of art at Prince Henry's Grammar School, and he's just thought, I'm going to do that in my school holidays. Just go, and go over to Holbeck. Draw a big Leeds badge. It looks ace. See what oh, Leeds yeah. residents
2: against graffiti you make of that, eh? Those well, we should nominate the uh, toe rags, the residents who live in the two houses that he's painted uh, on the side of, for being fine with it. That's good. They, yeah. They're happy for it to happen, so they're their part in this. Uh, anybody else? J. Roy Grot, unlikely hero, but go for it. There was a training ground bust up on Lone and Vitesse Arnhem with um, the, the wonderfully named wretchedly uh, Bozer who, I mean, if there's a different pronunci- pronunciation of his name, I mean, I can't even say pronunciation, so... Like a Beano character. <laughs> <laughs> um, they would uh, they had a, a clash, and uh, but it wasn't Grot's fault. Grot says, I asked for the ball, he reacted, and that's gotten out of hand. Yes, that had gotten out of hand, Grot told Fox Sports. Leonard Slutsky is the manager there, and apparently he's sorted it all out. Boza has apologised for the altercation and Grot has accepted his apology, so Grot being the bigger man, which...
1: He is in it, most yeah. cases. <laughs> Again, uh, bonus points for Leonard Slutsky having a great name.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a story. When you've got uh, Leonard Slutsky, Wretchedly Bowser, and J. Roy Grot all in the same story, <laughs> you can't resist it. Uh, any other runners and riders then, or should we uh, draw uh, a line under this one? We've got a couple of dogs to to deal with. Rita, Nikki Allen's guide dog, is has retired after the the fix against QPR. Been replaced by a. Is that the guide dog that's always photographed in the in the stadium? Yeah. 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 There's a young pretender taking over um, from Rita. And in other dog news, Ben White's got a couple of pups off somebody and has invited them round for dinner, which is one of the most heartwarming stories. Apparently, he's so pleased with the puppies that he's invited the family who uh, who who sold them to him round for dinner as a thank you.
3: They'll be useful. Um bargaining chip won't they? we can we can kidnap those dogs when we're trying to make him stay
1: yeah you can't take them to, back to Brighton you're not allowed dogs in Brighton
3: nope they're barred <laughs> new rule since you've been there <laughs> <laughs> where is it show me some evidence nope <laughs> I'll just uh, write something on my phone for you to look at <laughs> there you go <laughs> god I hope he stays
1: because he's wonderful and he? he's a wonderful footballer and a good human by the looks of it seems like a nice boy
2: yeah he's brilliant kind and a lover of dogs what's not to like
1: excellent any more then or should we uh, call that out
2: I think that's everybody
1: pick yourself a winner then
3: I feel like we've criticised Jack Harrison enough over the year I haven't you've been nothing but nice almost about certainly it. have Michael why do you think? nonsense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I, yeah. Is it a sympathy vote though, or are we happy to award it to him because he's? Oh, no,
3: if he gets a, an assist and a goal in every game, that's. There's nothing. He got two assists. There's no it? sort of sympathy vote in that. That's said just match, him
2: doing. Stuff. Said on the match ball, he got two assists. We haven't game. scored a goal for weeks that he hasn't either assisted or scored. So, so pray God he doesn't get injured.
1: You can get the mag and loads of Ace merch and the famous Leeds Carajo mugs, hoodies, loads of stuff at thesquareball.net. And please do, if you want uh, more content from us uh, and want to get behind us, uh, every, uh, every week more bonus content on The Extra Ball, our other podcast, two ninety nine a month. The first month is free, all at thesquareball.net. Heading into the international break, we're happy. We feel like we're in, in a good mood. Out of 10, where are you now in terms of happiness?
3: Oh, a good seven.
2: I'd give myself a,
3: an eight.
1: I'm about an 8 at the minute which is nice if we win on Saturday where will it's you be? It's costing
3: me money isn't it though these wins ah yeah that's, what's, that's, why, that's why I'm not I was, in Moscow why do you think Michael hates Leeds United?
2: <laughs> I'm even uh, I'm upgrading mine to 9 because the more money he loses the happier I am excellent
1: well fingers crossed for more uh, cash leaving your bank account at the weekend then Michael good luck
3: or bad luck Thank actually. you. well like I said £10 it's a, it's a price to pay for a win uh,
1: thanks for listening to this. We will speak to you on the Match Ball podcast after we have uh, handsomely defeated Blackburn at the weekend. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast.